All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me tonight, R.L. Breyer. Eric. Hey. Oh. two books, and he stepped all over me. He gets the Pete Holmes Award for talking when he wasn't talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on today. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, so, uh, crazy pandemic thing going on. Economy basically shut down by the government. And uh, we have a, a phrase in our little community, Bitcoin fixes this. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us the ins and the outs of how Bitcoin will indeed fix all of this? Well, um, to me, Bitcoin is the preeminent money for the world. It's only 11 years old now, but um, it's, you know, we, it's been tried and tested over those 11 years. A lot of people, uh, the government, um, corporations, individual bad actors, which I would call them bad actors, have tried to break Bitcoin and it hasn't been able to be broken. So um, I'm of the stance that uh, Bitcoin meets, uh, I, I take it all the way back to Aristotle. Aristotle wrote about the um, properties of good money. And he listed those as uh, portability, divisibility, scarcity, uniformity, which is fungibility, and durability. And Bitcoin meets all of those properties better than any other money, in my opinion. Even gold, which is the world has been the world's best money for thousands of years since Aristotle wrote that. But um, I actually think that it meets all of those characteristics and some. So. Um, I, I view Bitcoin as a hedge um, against centralization. I'm an anarcho-capitalist, and um, I, I view it as you know, it's my uh, as an anarcho-capitalist. I don't vote, so this is like my vote in the entire uh, scheme of things. I would say, and, um, and my viewpoint on how to how to exit the system. Yeah, um, voting with your dollars is probably the most powerful vote you can do. And if you're trying to get away from, you know, their phony money that's backed by nothing and getting into something else, you know, even if you're, uh, you know, a gold bug still or a silver bug and you're getting into some of those precious metals, um, you know, even then that's uh, voting with your dollars. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was just like taking a look at the S&P uh, 500 numbers over the last couple of months and uh, tracking it along with Bitcoin. And um, I think if you would have put that same amount of money into Bitcoin, you would have held all of that value rather than watching it just go down the toilet in the stock market. So just something right out there. Yeah. There was that initial um, uh, when people got a little bit scared for cash there, um, Bitcoin sold off like 50% one day. It was pretty incredible. It went down from 9,000 to like, uh, or 8,800 to like 3,800 in one day. And it was, everyone was freaking out, but I didn't panic. Um, I sort of just, um, you know, I'm a hodler. I go, I'm also the Pittsburgh, I go by the Pittsburgh hodler and stuff. So um, I just, I view it as our opportunity to store value. It's that simple to me. It's not only a money, but it's an asset class of its own. It's um, really its own asset class. And now, I mean, now there's other cryptocurrencies in the space, but it, it's the gold standard. It's the yeah. digital gold standard now. So I think it'll, it'll be the store of value. And then I'm interested in other projects like the one I'm wearing right now. Um, Epic cash is like uh, privacy is really important to me too. So we can talk about that a little bit more, but yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I mean, I'm not a maximalist. I, I believe in other projects. I, I think competition is, um, uh, you know, integral in getting the best good in anything. So money as a good, uh, I think competition will, uh, the best money will rise to the top. Yeah, competition is always great. And um, 
I'm, I lean a little bit more towards the maximalist side. So, you know, like on uh, my Twitter page and on my YouTube, I can get tipped in a basic attention token while I just take that and I just roll it over into Bitcoin or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll accept any cryptocurrency you got, but I, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll get rolled into Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm fine with the other ones being out there. They can, you know, rise up, go down. It doesn't matter. It's Bitcoin is the gold standard for it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's, that's fair because I mean, if you look at uh, Bitcoin, it has this, the most secure network um, and decentralization, you could argue. And then um, if you look at the halving, which we're now um, just barely three days o- uh, away from, we're like three days and one hour away. So like what, 73 hours away from the halving now, as you and I record this, um, Bitcoin went into the second halving event where the, I, I don't know how much you talk about crypto on here, but where the um, emission rate, uh, the supply is cut in half, the inflation rate of the future supply will go from 3.64% to 1.8%. Right. So uh, it went into the second halving at $600 and we're heading into this third one, you know, right around $10,000. It's it's selling off a little bit as you and I go on here around $9,800. So maybe it'll yeah. go back and back to 9,600. But um, if you're going to store your money, uh, somewhere. I don't think you can really beat Bitcoin, you know, looking at that, at least over the last, you know, 10 years, uh, the dollar loses four and a half percent a year to inflation. So. Yeah. I was, uh, kind of crunching the numbers. Like if you had invested in it early with like just $2,000 worth of Bitcoin back in the day and today, I mean, you would have been like a multimillionaire right. even with it going up to like 19,000 something and then dropping back down to where it's at right now. So yeah, I mean, we, we talk about holding on for dear life, you know, for a reason, you know, that's, that's part of the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's not for the fan of heart, right. But it, it's so much fun. I think, uh, especially in the early days, it, I, it's, it's lending itself now more to people that aren't, um, of the risk, more risky mindset. But in the early days, it really was that sort of like gambler's mentality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you even saw like some of those little uh, Satoshi dice games and everything start to pop up where you could bet like a little bit of Bitcoin here, a little bit of Bitcoin there. And, you know, most of the time you'd lose, but it was, you know, kind of fun because it's like, well, you know, it's digital money at this point. Who, you know, who cares? I've only got like, what, $10 in it? Okay, fine. Yeah, that was the, I think that was the first Bitcoin uh, exit was Eric Voorhees. He created Satoshi dice. Yeah. I I have a lot of, uh, him and I share a lot of the same, uh, ideas as you know in our capitalists too so that's one of the reasons that I drew me into bitcoin in the early days was um it was a lot of like-minded people um you know that really aren't big state advocates maybe and um you know i saw that and i was i was learning about ron paul at that time too and you know i was like ron paul turned me from like a libertarian into a, an anarcho-capitalist before the election <laughs> Yeah, the the Ron Paul story is usually uh, what gets most people. Uh, my my conversion was uh, George W. Bush, which is kind of odd you know, for for people in our circles. But uh, yeah, you know when you're campaigning on your first election to uh, do all of the libertarian things that you say, no nation building, we're going to get out of the Middle East and everything. It was like, okay, well, you know, fine, let's do it. Right. And then you know September the 11th happens, and oh yeah, forget about all that nonsense. You know, we're at war. You know, so, that's what that's what turned me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I love hearing people's uh, stories about it. And I'm a huge Murray Rothbard fan too. Uh, yeah. He's like my favorite author and um, economist. And 
uh, he has, he has a, I've listened to all of his speeches too, or as many as I can find. And he has like a great quote that I like to mention that, you know, um, it was, there's a, a speech of his on uh, YouTube of how Murray Rothbard, how Murray Rothbard became a libertarian. And he mentions in that speech that uh, they would have these meetings about like, um, you know, it was just like his living room was like the entire libertarian group at, at one yeah, point. Much. Yeah. yeah. And how, um, it's, you know, it would always be like, how did you get, that would be like the, the focus of every, or the beginning of every conversation was like, how did you become a libertarian? And that's sort of like still the Bitcoin, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, conversation starter in Bitcoin is like, how did you, how did you get into Bitcoin? And then someday he said like, it won't, it would, wouldn't it be great if that wasn't how you had to start every conversation and just be like, yeah, that's the obvious thing. You're, you're just a libertarian or you're just a Bitcoiner. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's uh, I'm pretty, pretty heartened by it. Cause every time I go to like a different little meeting and everything, there's like brand new faces all the time. And, you know, it's not just the, you know, standard rich old white dude who wants to smoke pot on the weekends. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's like, it's like, wow, man, this community is really growing. And then we get stuff like this, the, uh, the pandemic of all pandemics. And uh, you know, then you see like all the Karens coming out and calling the cops on their neighbors for, you know, standing too close together, cutting down trees because there's an out of state plate in a, on a car in a driveway somewhere. And then you're like, Oh man, we're so close, but so far away, so far away yet. But right. uh, yeah. But if everyone had like a medium of exchange that wasn't tied to whatever, you know, phony baloney fed stuff is going on where they're just going to cut interest rates or even start offering negative interest rates has been some of the rumors that have been going around where, you know, now you're going to get charged money to have a savings account. You know, that's, it's the only thing you can say is just like, okay, well, um, I've got a crap ton of bullets in the, in the closet and I know I can sell those for food if I really had to, (laughs) but then, you know, I have this phone and we've set up this mesh network in the neighborhood to keep the blockchain uh, ledger going. So yeah, there's, there's all different ways of getting around it. So. Right. Yeah, I have a family member that's in New York City, and I was just talking to them before we got on here tonight. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little bit different. Of, you know, the world's changed just in the last sixty days. It's pretty crazy. And um, I got out of the cities a few years ago, and uh, I'm in the suburbs now, and I'm not mad about that at all. Um, nah, don't be. <laughs> they definitely don't want you to uh, live outside of you know somewhere where they can easily control you. In my opinion, and I think that's all all planned. Yeah, this, uh, if the, uh, you know, I can put on my conspiracy hat, you know, tinfoil hat real quick and say, okay, well, they, you know, purposely released this to, to get the reaction that they want. And then, you know, taking the, the hat off, you could just say, okay, well, this thing came along, but they're definitely going to use it for whatever they need. Right. Um, yeah. You know, just, just started checking off the bill of rights, you know, the, you know, freedom of assembly, you can't gather in more than 10 groups of 10, you know, freedom of religion. You can't go to church. <laughs> Yeah, quartering of troops was even brought in because now they're hosting National Guard at hotels. You know, it's like right. I, I was on uh, Twitter right before we got on here too, and I, speaking in New York, I think that's ex- you know I didn't read the article because we were getting ready to get on here, but I think that I don't think you're allowed to protest at all in New York City right now. So it's like, I mean, it, what is what is that piece of paper, right? You know, it's just yeah. a piece of paper if if they don't if they don't um, you know follow it, so. Yeah, so uh, there was one thing that uh, George Bush said that is actually true. It's just a goddamn piece of paper, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. I was a, before this one. I had talked to a 
another podcaster that she lives in upstate New York, but just close enough to New York city to be underneath their jurisdiction or whatever. So she's like, yeah, nobody around here is sick. Uh, we don't know anybody who's been sick. You know, there's maybe a family that might have it, but they don't know because they're not, they're too scared to go to a clinic to go get a test done. And she goes, but we can't do anything because the city of New York is like 20 miles away. And they say, no, we're not opening back up. So we're not opening back up. Which kind yeah, of I don't know anybody personally afflicted either. Um, there was people in my area that owned a restaurant. The the um, the, the uh, father and son both died. But I mean, as far as I can tell, the the economy is going to have you know this you know it's worse. Well, we're going to be worse off from the economy than um, the virus. And that was my stance from the beginning. Uh, not yeah. that you know this wasn't serious, but I still I, I don't even think we've touched the. Um, worldwide probably touched the flu numbers the average flu numbers so i haven't looked at that stuff in a while but uh there for a while we hadn't so and then you have to take into consideration the um the doctors and stuff that are saying that they're you know being that you know the numbers are skewed and they're you know getting money to like say that it was covid or whatever so it's like who knows what to believe (laughs) yeah you want to talk about a perverse financial incentive let's just uh you know, declare that this person has uh, COVID-19 and we'll stick them on a ventilator. And, you know, sure enough, that's going to kill them. And the, the hospital will get extra money out of them that Medicare or, you know, the insurance won't give us. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's pretty tragic. Um, you know, and speaking of people having it, you know, my younger brother had it, you know, he's in the hospital for four days. He's also mm-hmm. asthmatic and overweight. So, I mean, he had a lot of things going against him on that, but you know, four days he was in and out. Um, one really scary day where he had 103 temp and they had to pack him in ice to get his body temperature down. But you know, he's fine. He's like, yeah, it's, it's like the worst thing I've ever had. I I feel better. They tested his family. They all have antibodies already built up. So at some point, you know, dealing with him, they got exposed, but they didn't show any symptoms or their body fought it off. So. Yeah. It's really, it's really strange. I was really sick at Christmas time. I missed Christmas with my family, but I was sick for like three weeks and I, I have a, I have a suspicion that this might have been here earlier than they're leading on. And I've talked to a lot of people. I talk to people like you do every week or yeah. more than that, you know, and uh, around the world on these podcasts. And there's, I've, I've talked to a lot of other people that think that they might have had it too. So who knows what to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to believe, but after about three weeks of being sick, my family was like, you think you should go to the hospital? I'm like if I'm not better in a few days, I'm going to, and I eventually yeah. turned the corner, but it was brutal. Yeah. It's like, even, uh, back in January, I had something that knocked me down for a couple of days, you know, and then when you go to the doctor, it's like, well, you're testing negative for flu. So, you know, we'll just treat it like a common cold. (laughs) Yeah. They don't have it. They don't have a treatment for it anyway. So why why go to the hospital unless you really need to, right? Yeah. It's like, I guess. Yeah. Just make sure you're getting fluids, you know, take, take the aspirin and everything. Hopefully it'll kick the fever. (laughs) Right. So it's like bed rest, you know, (laughs) that was about it. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of those stories going around. And even some of those people that got tested later, they tested negative. So something was going around or the test isn't accurate. One of the two. I agree with you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, supply problems with testing and everything else, the government has manipulated everything to the point where it's, it's now shockingly ridiculous. Um, you know, that's, uh, well, we can't get tests. Well, why can't we get tests? Well, the FDA hasn't approved it you know, why is the FDA still around? 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's free market, guys. I think this could all be done a lot better if we just had a uh, – obviously, I think the private sector does everything better, and I, I, I think you have to be cracked in the head not to believe that. So it's like uh, let's just – I think, you know, the funny thing is that people like you and I just won't be left alone to go willingly to our own area, our own area to do our – you know, do this – do our trial and just voluntarism that, you know, we can't be left alone because without the people that produce things um, that, you know, the parasites can't, you know, they don't have a host organism. So uh, (laughs) it's just that, it's just that um, obvious to me that uh, they, they, we will let them live the way they want, but uh, it wouldn't take long for them to, um, you know, come back and encroach in our, in our, our, uh, our area. Oh yeah, especially if they're if you're showing that you're actually having success with it, you know. Because how right. dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've often joked that uh, you know the libertarian, you know, and Kepistan that we're all looking for, uh, you know, it, it may not even happen in my grandchildren's day. You know, it may not even be on this planet. Maybe a Mars colony somewhere. Uh, but <laughs> even then, the government still won't leave them alone. You know. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't looked a ton at Lieberlin, but it seems to be pretty legitimate. Um, I, have you looked at Lieberlin a lot? Yeah, when I first heard the story that there was this little um, island, I guess is I probably using the wrong geographical term there, and how dare I being in you know civil engineering? <laughs> it's like this little two square mile thing in the out in the middle of a river that neither you know the two countries have have any claim to it. Uh, so it's like. Uh, Jet Vidlika, he comes out there and he says, okay, well, you know, I'll declare this land. And then, you know, I've got police on one side. It's like, no, you can't go there. (laughs) (laughs) You have no claim to the land. What do you mean? I can't go there. Yeah. That type of stuff. It's um, yeah. Lieberland was another one. There's been several attempts to try and do something in South America because like in Chile and everything, the governments there are a little more, um, uh, uh, happy with uh, capitalism uh, than the rest of uh, South America. And um, there's been several attempts to have like a Galt's Gulch type of thing going on down there, but then some of those turned out to be scams too. So who knows? Yeah. I know the one guy that's doing the, uh, that Galt's Gulch in, in down there. Um, I think it's in Chile. Yeah. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about it. Just look at that stuff, but uh, you know, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know if there's an answer. I guess I guess we're you know stuck here for now. Yeah, I guess we could uh, pull the old uh, you know former Nazi thing and all go down to Argentina. You know, <laughs> just hang out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah, at least the climate's nice. I'm in Pittsburgh and it's like snowing here tonight. It just started snowing before we got on here. I just couldn't believe it. I let my dog out. And I'm like shaking my head. It's like you know uh, May eighth. We got snow. <laughs> Yeah, it's like right on summer's doorstep and you guys get snow up there. And like down here, it's like 82 degrees, highly humid and just went through a really bad thunderstorm. So I'm jealous. We just put our boat in the water uh, two weeks ago and now we have snow outside. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got snow in your boat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's always been the tough thing. You know, I was born in Nebraska. We lived in Iowa for a little bit. And, you know, I have memories of, you know, being shooed out of the second story window to go tunnel uh, down to the front door to open it. You know? Oh, that's, that's pretty cool though. Those are good. Those are probably good memories. Oh, yeah. You want to live, live through that. The older you get, the more you're like, you wake up and your, your, your body hurts. You're like, Oh man, I just want warm. You know, I want a warm climate. 
<laughs> yeah, especially a warm climate that's dry, you know, because down here in Louisiana, it's, it, it may be warm, but we definitely have uh, tree pollen season. That's like its own season. Come out, yeah. you know, your beautiful red Dodge Charger is like green because of all the tree pollen that has fallen onto it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've never been to Louisiana, but um, yeah, I want to check it out. It seems like, it seems like an interesting place. The people, I like, you know, I, I like the accent and the people seem legitimate. They're just like down to earth people. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great. Um, you know, if you go to New Orleans, it's, uh, it's like every big city you've ever been into, except you can walk down the street holding a open container and drinking out of it. You know, uh, you may a see a lot of say, people cutting their grass with a, a beer. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you can walk into a bar, order a drink to go, you know, and how many other cities do you know of that you can do that in, you know? You're right. None. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Las Vegas. I don't know. Yeah. Las Vegas might be the exception, but uh, right. yeah, everyone has to at least come and see New Orleans once in their life. It, right. If nothing else to know, I don't really need to go back there ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not the safest place in the world too. Yeah, there's uh there's definitely some sketchy parts of uh, New Orleans. You walk in, so it's like, oh, there's like legit gang signs up spray painted up on a stop sign. <laughs> I think I need to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get pretty dicey down there. I, I luckily I got all that Mardi Gras stuff out of my system when I was a teenager, so I, I don't need to partake in that anymore. Whoa, hold your horses. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, before we get back into it, I just want to tell you about a new podcast I learned about. It's called The Porcupine Perspective. Check them out. Porcupine, P-O-V dot porcupinepodcast.com. Hey y'all, before we get back into it, I just want to tell you about a new podcast I learned about. It's called The Porcupine Perspective. Check them out. Porcupine, P-O-V dot porcupinepodcast.com. Now, I don't drink much anymore, but maybe, maybe uh, you know, that one one or two days a year that I have a drink in the future, I'll go there. <laughs> yeah, when we're all uh, allowed to go back into bars and restaurants again. <laughs> right, when, when our overlords, you know, permit it. <laughs> yes. And if it pleases the crown, can I go get a, a, a hurricane from Pat O'Brien's? <laughs> of course, they'll say no, no. You can go in there, but you can't order anything and have a mask on. Um, pretty crazy stuff, but uh, hopefully we'll get to a point where, uh, you know, we'll just flash that little Bitcoin thing on our phone and say, can I come in? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Uh, that's what we need is like some way to like uh, that signal free market signal. Like you just mentioned where uh, a Bitcoiner op- opens up a store. We keep it within the Bitcoin, you know, on the hush, right? Yeah. Just flash your Bitcoin logo and you're allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great idea. Bitcoin speakeasy. Or crypto speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Leave it to me, the Pittsburgh guy, to come up with something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a flash little uh, QR code on the phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the club. I believe in capitalism. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> you got waitress, waitresses in there, right? I can tip. I can yeah. tip them in anything they want. But yeah, that's uh, pretty good. So um, you wrote these two books that I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Renaissance. I like how you put that. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain your uh, your two books? All right, cool. Yeah, uh, I wrote Blockchain Project Renaissance One and Two, and um, I wrote the first one 
late 2017, I started seeing people, I've been in Bitcoin. I found Bitcoin really early in like 2009. I came across um, something on the internet. I honestly can't remember what it was. Um, and where I, I guess it was probably, you know, Facebook or YouTube or something. And, um, did, you know, I, I was that guy on Bitcoin. I don't know if you had any friends like this, but I was posting every single day for a while by Bitcoin. And, you know, I got like the worst response. You know, you're, you're a scumbag, you're, you know, whatever. Uh, you, I, you, I think you've been in, you know, crypto for a while too. So you remember that stuff, but, um, Oh yeah. Digital uh, beanie babies was what right, I was yeah, yeah. Dude, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. <laughs> but, um, then in, in 2017, um, I saw a lot of people like the price started really getting crazy and I saw people being taken advantage of with the big connects and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was like, all right, it's time for me. I've, you know, been studying Austrian economics and freedom and, um, uh, Bitcoin this whole time. Um, it's time to like, just culminate my interest. And I, I have an English degree from Ohio state. Uh, I've always wanted to write a book. So I, I was like, this is the time. So, um, I wrote this book, blockchain project Renaissance volume one. And that was just like, um, I wanted to get like as much knowledge into like a 50 page book as possible. At least, you know, my viewpoint of what knowledge is. So I, I put, I, I mixed Austrian economics and freedom and uh, Bitcoin and how to, you know, spot uh, basically scams um, and stuff like that. The first one. And then the second one um, was a compilation of some of my articles. Um, and then, you know, on Epic cash and privacy, because I think, um, as we get further into like this, I, I call it the digital epoch. Uh, we're going to see more and more, um, you know, infringements on our, I mean, we're living in it right now. It's more obvious than ever. And uh, uh, as we get further into this digital age, we're going to see more of that. So I think uh, being able to transact privately is going to really be like our, our way out. Uh, Bitcoin will be like maybe our store of value. And then I think something like Epic Cash, which is a Mimble Wimble coin. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, it allows you to send private transactions. Uh, everything on the block, Bitcoin blockchain and ledger is, um, you know, you, if you get a, you get the smart, you get a smart enough person. They can, you know, get in there and see, eventually figure out maybe who is who and, you know, hunt you down. And there's been some crazy stories and it's not likely, but it could happen. But it's also just a matter of like um, payroll. If you have like employees, being able to pay them privately, and then I, you know, as being someone who's an Austrian school guy, I really view it as like view it as a way to just create free markets and um, our, you know, arbitrage across borders um, in places where you know somebody has very little wealth. Um, I think that, you know, Bitcoin will be a great way to store your value. Uh, and then, you know, something like Epic Cash or another Mimble Wimble coin, it does, you know, whatever, um, is a way to, uh, you know, transact and maybe you have a good or service that you can sell. Uh, and then you, you know, you do business in that. So I, I really think that's going to be the future. I look for a, a privacy coin to bust into the top. 10 or hopefully top five eventually. And that's, that's my goal. But with the books, I just wanted to like get as much of my, you know, uh, story and, uh, ideas out there. And I, I view this as like our Hail Mary, our freedom <laughs> Hail Mary. So it's yeah. like, this is everything to me. I went full crypto. Um, I have another small business, um, online, but I mean, it, it's, it's 99% of my life. is just 
Bitcoin and uh, blockchain and, and stuff. So um, I, I'll, I I have my, all my books and stuff avail- available on Briar.io. Um, I also have a lot of free content on there. I have a podcast of my own on there too. And um, it's called the Various and Numerous Podcast. Not not a super original name. A lot of people know Various and Numerous in uh, the Bitcoin yeah. space. Strength in Numbers, Latin. And uh, I put, I've got 19 episodes on there now. But I also have a lot of articles on there for free and on my Medium, at R.L. Breyer, if you want to read it. Um, where I'll just write about like the having or um, the Bitcoin um, network had its 4,000th day a few months ago. And I wrote an article on that. So I try to pump out as much stuff as possible while, you know, um, you know, educate, try to educate people is what I'm all about really. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I liked about the, uh, the first book, cause I haven't read the second one yet. So I'm going to be a bad naughty host for a moment and <laughs> that I haven't read one of your books, but uh, yeah, I was just uh, catching up through the first one and I was like, Oh man, this is, this is the thing that I would have needed in 2011 to, finally kicked me over the edge to actually buy some, you know, when it wasn't, you know, you know, pennies, you know, when it was worth just pennies at the time. And uh, so I still kind of kicked myself because I, I definitely missed the boat on that one. But, uh, you know, that's fine. Just, you know, keep throwing some money into it and, you know, eventually it'll, it'll get up there. So, yeah, I wrote, I wrote the first one rather fast. And um, I, then I, you know, I, I didn't want to push it out real quick, but I, I, you know, uh, I wrote it pretty quickly. And then, um, I started selling it myself and I still sell, I'll, I'll, I'll DM people and stuff like that. I, I'm like the ultimate capitalist, man. So how, by any means, but <laughs> through that, I met like so many great people that are like really good friends now, like yourself. I've met so many people like this. And then, um, I've sold the book, the, the uh, first and second book in over 40 countries. And then, um, it's been translated into uh, a few different languages too. So it's in uh, Swedish and Bosnian. They're working on Bosnian right now, and uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of taken you know it taken off a little bit like in a you know in a cult a little our Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency cult, yeah. uh, but you know I'm not, it's not a New York Times bestseller or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I think it's been pretty it's been a success in my opinion, you know. Yeah, uh, don't feel bad about that because that's how I bought the books was after a DM from you. So it's right. Like, <laughs> so yeah, <they're> good. <laughs> absolutely. I appreciate you uh, supporting the work too. You know, without people, you know, supporting the work and also having me on your podcast, uh, there's you know my my uh, educational platform really doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a uh, it, as I view it, it's like many hands make light work, and if we're all doing you know, two to 3% of the, of the total thing, you know, then it's, uh, it's going to get easier over time. Cause uh, you know, now with the, uh, with the silly apps on the phones, like uh, cash app and Coinbase and stuff, getting into it is easy. Now it's uh, practically easy enough that your grandma can do it. And I, I think that's all, what we're all looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw a stat the other day that said, um, I didn't check this out. I'm not running the numbers, but I saw <laughs> like an article or something that uh, 50% of cash apps, um, revenue or something like that last month was uh, Bitcoin's t- Bitcoin sales. So yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, people, you know, it does make it really convenient, and that's that's part of the the battle of um, you know getting it adopted moving forward. Now that it's you know pretty mainstream, is is just getting it in grandma's hands. And I mean, grandma has an iPhone. A lot of grandmas have an iPhone or an iPad. I, I don't think my grandma has an iPhone, but she has an iPad. So. Yeah. Uh, that is as uh, we get like I think at the end of this this decade we just started um, I think like twenty thirty or whatever it'll be it'll be pretty 
I think most people will have some cryptocurrency or the majority at that point will probably have something or at least understand it better. Yeah. Even if they don't have a lot, you know, all it takes is just like a couple of bucks. And if you got like a friend that's going to sell you something, you know, maybe introduce it to is like, uh, can I buy it in Bitcoin? You know, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I buy it in, you know, BCH or whatever, if you got one of the other apps and, uh, you know, just let it, let the conversation take place from there. And I guess if you can show to a friend how easy it is yeah, and, you know, just make them understand, you know, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, you know, so I understand the trepidation about that. Um, because uh, we just saw that with Peter Schiff, he forgot his seed phrase. And- <laughs> Peter Schiff, I've been trolling Peter Schiff quite uh, intensely lately. On his, he'll put out a Bitcoin or something. I've been getting a lot of good response from that, so I'll keep it up. But yeah, he he uh, he's grown his um, followers on uh, Twitter through his anti-Bitcoin bashing. So I've I've, <laughs> I've come in and started to. I've got a decent following on Twitter now, so I've started to come in, sort of combat that, and uh, get on there and you know, give it back to him a little bit because it's fun. You know, the banner's fun, but yeah, I, I'm a, I've always been, a, I learned a lot from Peter Schiff. I hate to see, you know, him uh, fall on the sword like this, but he, he's not, this isn't going to age well for him. I don't think. No, it definitely isn't. Especially when uh, Rollo McFlugel made one of his tweets about losing his seed phrase into a mug, you know, <laughs> <laughs> monetizing yeah. it. So. <laughs> yeah, his. Yeah, I think he's, his his words were that his his uh, his phone or his wall his wallet forgot his password. That yeah. was what I said. Yeah, that was his wallet forgot his password. It's like, all right, I don't I don't think so, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I, even uh, Joe Rogan, you know, they had like fifty thousand dollars in Bitcoin at one point because of the uh, fight for the forgotten charity. And he was like, yeah, we just totally forgot about it. We looked in there the other day. It was like 75 grand. And we we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. We need to start doing something with this. <laughs> yeah, they, he, he collected Bitcoin for the, is that the what, the wells in the Congo or whatever? Yeah, the wells for the pygmies in yeah. the African jungle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, he doesn't really understand it either, though, I don't think. He doesn't, I don't think he's done the work. You know, it's it's not something you can just wrap your head around it in one YouTube video, you know? I mean, it take, it, it's, it, and it's something that I, you know, somebody who looks at it every single day, I still don't know everything about Bitcoin. It's like the never-ending rabbit hole. It's not like just, um, it's not something you just understand overnight, you know? It's, it's your constant. I think it's one of the reasons, like, autodidacts are so attracted to it is, like, uh, that for that reason that you know it's, there's always something to learn and there's always something new going on so it's 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 just like a magnet yeah and especially with the altcoins i mean everyone's got to learn that lesson you know eventually you know it's just it's like okay well we got competition in the space now um you know and you know my opinion is that it makes bitcoin stronger because there's guys out there like right. me that you know i'll accept whatever cryptocurrency you've got but you right. know, at the end of the day it's it's going to get deposited in that vault so <laughs> Yeah, like I was talking about in the beginning when we started talking is like, you know, money isn't good like anything else. So the competition is going to make the best money. And then now we have these Mimblewimble coins that through the pro- through the protocol, it's, it's called the cut-through process, they scale better. So, um, and, and, you know, you, you're, I think the, the end game is taking um, – taking, uh, I was going to grab my phone, but it's not in here. Taking, uh, taking cell phones – on the move and being able to have to verify your own transactions in your pocket in real time and have a copy of the ledger with you at all times. And through that comes more decentralization too. So I think that the future will be like, uh, 
will be like mobile mobile computing and blockchain, you know, block, running the blockchains on your, on your phone. And you can already do that on some phones, but like for Bitcoin, the Bitcoin blockchain is like over 250 gigabytes. I'm not sure what the exact number is right now. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. So it's not exactly that easy to carry the, the Bitcoin blockchain in your pocket, but something uh, like a Mimblewimble coin uh, that you could carry the entire blockchain in your pocket. I just think that that will be like maybe uh, a little bit easier for medium of exchange in the future. So that's, yeah. that's one of my interests. And then you mix that with privacy as, as a anarcho capitalist, Austrian school guy, how can you not love that? So it's, you know, it's all about just, um, uh, finding ones that have utility to me. I'm, I'm also interested in Chainlink. I don't know if you've, have you looked at Chainlink? Uh, I've kind of like just gave it like a little cursory search, just kind of looked it over. Yeah. Uh, I like what I see there. Um, but, uh, that's, that's, I think it's still a little bit too new, but I probably have to go back and take a little deeper dive into it. Yeah. It's, I, it's up and not just talking about, you know, the, the price comes for you from the utility in my opinion. So, but the, the, it's up like 700, 600, 700%, 100% in the last 12 months. And I think it's got a lot of upside, but the, uh, but Chainlink is, is an Oracle solution where they're going to, they're doing decentralized oracles. And, uh, through that's going to come what I was talking about in the books, the books a lot with interoperability and, um, you know, just the communications between blockchains and the community, you know, with the oracles in between, uh, being able to do, um, uh, uh, data inputs. So like, say you have a smart contract and you're trying to execute it, uh, having an Oracle as a go between to keep up with like real time events, like, uh, food shipments or whatever, um, to execute contracts is going to be huge. So I think everything started, you know, it's all like coming together, starting to mature the space. So, um, I'm excited about what's going on right now. We have this, Bitcoin having event coming, you know, coming up in now, you know, uh, three days. It's it's just going to be, you know, the the future is so bright for blockchain. And um, I think it's just going to carry, you know, and the one thing I love about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is that people who start looking at Bitcoin start reading Austrian economics and uh, start learning about freedom. And that's the most important thing to me is freedom. So, uh, you know, we're, we're carrying people. I think that's one of the reasons like governments and I wrote about this in the book too, is that there's going to be this, like, that's how I started the first one. It's just, there's going to be like this. Um, I think we're heading into this like pivotal moment in history where it, we're going to see like complete centralization or, you know, uh, a battle for, you know, some sort of decentralization, uh, which we're fighting in cryptocurrencies and maybe we can like, you know, at least hold our ground. And I, I just view that, I view this as like our, you know, our best bet in that battle. Yeah. The, uh, definitely when you have the politicians out there, like Brad Sherman, you know, coming out and saying, yeah, they, they, they view Bitcoin as this thing that's going to replace the dollar and, and kill any kind of federal power. This is dangerous. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is dangerous for you guys. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at Brad Sherman's top contributors to his, to his campaign and it's like, bang. Bank, yeah, bank, bank, Goldman bank. Sachs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, there's no, there's no uh, fascism in this in this government at all. You know, no, no, it's the murderous, yeah, merger of state and corporate power right in front of your eyes if you're smart enough just to look at where these guys get their funding to run. Yeah, I can uh, I can go down to the Louisiana State Capitol. I can go down where the uh, state reps and state senate sit. I'll just take a picture of the little fasci axes up on the walls. You know? Right? Yeah. See, you you know a lot of a lot of people don't even know about that that the uh, those are Roman fasci. Like, that comes from Italy. That's like a that's a fascist symbol. And yeah. 
you know, what is that? The where they where they have all the uh, congressional stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, even in Washington D.C., if you go to the Lincoln right. Monument, like right on the front of the uh, the little uh, throne that he's sitting on, which is odd. You know, there's the two fasci right there. Are there? I didn't even notice that. I've been to the Lincoln Monument. I was younger then, but yeah, yeah. See, I mean, it's there's so much symbolism, and I don't I don't get into too many conspiracies, but I I've heard a lot of them. But uh, yeah, the the Roman fasci and stuff, it's crazy. Yeah. And of course the uh, normies out there was like, well, that just means out of many one. I was like, yeah, out of many little, you know, principalities and everything, there's one central ruler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of symbology that people don't, don't look at and it's right in front of us. I mean, you look at the, look at the, the, the promissory notes that we now use and that's another thing people don't even, you know, you ask the average guy on the street and they think their money's backed by, by gold still. Oh, yeah, it has been backed by gold for 50, for, 49 years now. So it's like Nixon took us off the, the gold standard in 1971. He's still, you talk to the average Joe and they don't know that. So, I mean, there might not be any saving those guys uh, either way. But, you know, bring, at least we'll bring along the people that, you know, have some intelligence. Yeah, back when I was in my uh, conspiracy theorist days, I would uh, sometimes go to places and demand cash in United States notes. And then I'd look <laughs> at the ferns and I was like, this is a fern. I want a United States note. And the people was like, no, this is this is a dollar. I was like, yeah, it's a Federal Reserve note. I want a United right. States dollar, you know. Well, redeemable for gold, right? Yeah, redeem, uh, silver certificates, gold or something like that. But it, you would just catch the look on your face and then you would just like, I was one of those nerds that would have like a, the article about the difference between a Federal Reserve note and a United States dollars printed out ready to hand to them. <laughs> hey, that's everybody, you know, that's a great way to te- educate people too, you know. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are too lazy to look it up for themselves, but if you hand them a piece of paper, maybe they just look at it and they might not, you know, do anything about it, but at least they'll know. Yeah, it's plant that seed. <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone learns somehow. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's how we catch it. We catch it because we hear that one thing, and it's like, oh yeah, hey, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when you have that uh, epiphany that um, you know fiat money isn't real, and um, you know this, I mean, that's just that was a pretty eye-opening experience for me. Uh, you know, you then you start learning about the Federal Reserve and uh, all that stuff, and that's another. I mean. It, People call these things conspiracies, but if you look up the definition of conspiracy, I think it's just like two or more people in a room talking about, you know, uh, something that they're trying to get, that they're trying to accomplish. So it's like, uh, I think that was like another, you know, you're getting, yeah, it was like a CIA uh, disinfo thing. I think they coined the term conspiracy. So there's a lot during the uh, Kennedy assassination thing. Yeah. Let's not entertain conspiracy theories about this. You know? Yeah. That that was one of the first things they put out. Right. Yeah. And then uh, of course, George Bush did it again at September the 11th. Yeah. Let's not entertain wild conspiracy theories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy what what the media and the media has so much power that people just don't understand. You know, you can tell somebody, but um, the older generations are more susceptible to it. Like you and I are around the same age, I think. And um, just seeing the, you know, seeing the evolution of the internet and now we're in a blockchain and um, you know, a lot of our life has been somewhat decentralized, you know? So um, there's, I talk, I like to use the analogy too. Like there's different levels of decentralization. Like YouTube is a decentralized, you know, a decentralized, uh, organism in respect to television. 
Right. But in, in respect to like Steam, it, uh, uh, Steam blockchain, yeah. and on top of that, so the decentralized application Steam, it, it's like a social media platform that for people that don't know, um, you can post content there and earn cryptocurrency. That's, that's very decentralized compared to YouTube, you know? So it's like, it's all, it's all on a spectrum. Yeah. There's many, several layers to that onion. You know, you just got to right. throw it away. So yeah, well, um, that's uh i think that's pretty much going to do it for this evening i'd love to have you back on at some point we can uh maybe after the whole uh koof cough thing is over with and we can <laughs> start looking at recovery maybe but uh why don't you go ahead and uh, drop all your blogs absolutely i appreciate you having me on there uh briar.io b-r-y-e-r.io um is my um, website and then i'm at r-b-r-y-e-r two three on twitter um and my medium, I mentioned at RL Breyer. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's is that it. Yeah. Oh, and Steam it. I'm at Pittsburgh Hodler. If you're actually on Steam it, um, there's quite a few people on there. Um, yeah. at Pittsburgh I'm on Steam it. I haven't done anything on it in a while, but <laughs> I think I followed you the other day. I think we might have talked. I, I think I might have. I was talking to somebody the other day. I can't, can't keep track, but if I didn't, I'll, you know, shoot me your name and I'll follow you. Yeah. I'm not super active on there like I was a couple of years ago when I wrote that book, but uh, I still think it's a cool place. Like I, I met um, uh, a pretty good friend on there. I met a lot of people on there, but I met somebody on there and they dragged me into fantasy football. Like, and we had a Steam at League. So I thought that was cool. Like, you yeah. know, it's oh, no. you got, you got into uh football jock D and D. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I actually went defeated last year. I went 0 and 12, I think was the, uh, when I oh, finished. Yeah. Oh, you're not good yeah. at it. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't win a game last year. So yeah. No, that's pretty good stuff. But yeah, uh, folks out there, um, if you're watching or listening to this, yeah, definitely go give him a follow. He's, he's pretty good, especially with the Peter Schiff stuff. Cause I mean, that guy just is a walk-in joke machine. So <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's not looking so hot anymore. I appreciate it, man. Uh, no problem, man. We'll take it easy. We'll uh, catch you again guys next time with another episode of rebel with the cause. <laughs> <laughs>